Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Thank you so much for tuning back into another episode here on GEMS Podcast. In the hot seat is Dr. Gina Simmons, and you already know me, Miss Genesis Lamars Kemp, the founder and host. But let me tell you a little bit more about our guest today. Dr. Gina Simmons Schneider is the author of Frazzle Brain, Break Free from Anxiety, Anger, and Stress, Using Advanced Discoveries in Neuropsychology. Central Recovery Press, March 2022. She is a licensed psychotherapist, executive coach, and corporate trainer for Fortune 500 companies. She serves as co-director of Schneider Counseling and Corporate Solutions. Dr. Gina Simmons Schneider is a coping skills expert with more than 25 years of experience helping people regulate difficult emotions, and conflicts. Dr. Schneider is certified in neuroscience for clinicians and critical incident stress debriefing through National Trauma Services. She has been quoted in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, and the San Diego Union Tribune. Lawrence Knight interviewed her for the BBC World Service Program, How to Be angry. Dr. Schneider blogs for Psychology Today and writes the award-winning Manage Anger daily blog. She has blogged for Forbes and Women in Crime link, which the Wall Street Journal named a blog worth reading. So without further ado, please welcome Dr. Gina Simmons-Schneider to GEMS Podcast, where we're going to unpack difficult emotions. We're going to hear about what made her call her book Frazzle Brain and some of the incredible things she's working on. Thank you so much for inviting me, Genesis. It's a privilege to be on your show. My pleasure, Dr. Gina. So Dr. Gina, before we dive into our segment, I definitely want to connect with you on a personal level. So there's normally two options I do here on my show. I'm sure you're familiar. So the first one is rapid fire 10 question game. And the second option is to break the ice. So what would you like to do? Well, let's, uh, let's break the ice. Okay, we're breaking the ice with Dr. Gina. So Dr. Gina, I want you to share something crazy that you've done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. Well, I think maybe one of, there's so many fun things I could share, but I think one of the most fun and interesting facts I recently learned was I had a friend who went to my high school several years before I did. And I dropped out of high school, which a lot of people don't under, don't get. You have a PhD, how could you be a high school dropout? Um, but I dropped out of high school because uh, our family was poor and I needed to work. And uh, I was alienated by an extremely racist um, 
teacher who attacked one of my friends who was black. And I thought, I got to get out of this place. So I dropped out of high school and signed up for correspondence school and I was working. And that same inner city high school where I dropped out um, years later uh, listed me as the only female distinguished alumni of their school. (laughs) So um, I was shocked to find that out because I've never gone to a high school reunion there having not graduated from that school. And I found out from my friend who was a few years older who had graduated from that high school that she saw me at the high school reunion as the only female uh, listed along with the San Diego chicken and um, and mascot and um, a bunch of football players. We were the only distinguished alumni from the high school. So anyway, I thought that was a really interesting fact that I just learned. And I thought that's sort of the irony of life sometimes that you can go from being in the pits of despair and having nothing and feeling ashamed because you have nothing to all of a sudden someone's decided you're distinguished. (laughs) That is amazing and congratulations. And it's also impressive to learn how um, dropping out of high school did not stop you from going back and pursuing your education. And it's actually kind of comical when you mentioned the high school reunion, because I thought about mine and I was like, I didn't go to my high school reunion because I figured it would be like, oh, who made it? Who didn't? Who's a slob? Who's successful? Who's not? And I was like, I don't have time for that because the people in high school, there's only like two that I talk to now because college <laughs> is what molded me. And those are some of my friends now. So I was like, "Mm, I could skip the 10 year high school reunion, although it would have kind of been cool to see who who is who now. But I was like, those things don't even matter. (laughs) I know it's that, you know, and good for you. It's that it's that competitive thing sometimes that people are going back to unless they were the unless high school was where they peaked and they really felt like they really, you know, were the stars of the high school and they want to go back and and, um, you know, see everyone who loved and adored them. But many of us did not have that kind of adoring uh, experience. It's also kind of a revenge of the nerds thing I hear from people where the, the nerdy kids that everybody thought was a geek, you know, they're, they're now the cool ones that are doing extremely well. The ones that read a lot and, uh, you know, weren't caught up in the popularity chase. Absolutely. And it's so funny. I don't know. I'm a big movie buff. So I just thought about that movie, 13 going on 30, whenever. That was a really fun movie. Yeah. And exactly. I think we can all relate to that. I think the reason why we like movies like that too, or that show awkwardness and, and people's um, humiliating experiences and embarrassment is because we all experience that. And we all try to cover it up, right? Because we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to feel awkward. And yet that's universally human. Absolutely. And that's a good way to segue into our topics on those difficult emotions because humiliation, guilt, shame, envy, there's so many different emotions that we go through on a daily basis. And unless we 
um, determine what is causing us to feel the way that we feel, then we're not truly going to heal. So based on the work that you're doing, Dr. Gina, can you talk about some of the difficult emotions that you've seen um, in the psychotherapist world with some of your clients without, you know, sharing too much information because, you know, confidentiality and proprietary. Sure. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things we do as conflict management experts in, in, in our, uh, in our little firm that we have is, you know, we deal with some of the most painful ex- uh, emotions that people have either in the workplace or in their personal lives. And doing this for now more than 30 years, it's really astounding to me how universal all these feelings are. Uh, the people that you think have it all together, you know, they've got the house and the cars and the kids and the perfect, you know, Ivy League education or whatever. And they are full of feelings of shame and guilt and regret and um, embarrassment and envy. Um, I once worked with a man who his business was making a hundred million dollars a year and he was devastated that his friend had hit the billion mark and was feeling like a failure. And, you know, I had to sort of wake him up to, (laughs) to reality a little bit because, you know, right. We compare ourselves, right. And we compare ourselves up to people that we respect. And sometimes that's really helpful to shape our goals and what we want for our future. I find that um, I've envied every single person I've admired for some quality, right? I, I, and I think envy doesn't have to be the most painful emotion you experience because it can actually shape your goals. You know, like I want to be as good at hosting dinner parties as my friend. I mean, she's an amazing dinner party host and I've never felt super competent, you know, hosting dinner parties. So she does it with such ease and I envy that, but I adore her, you know, it doesn't block me from being able to love. So I think that's one of the things we teach people is that those dark emotions, if you can accept them and not try to reject them as rejected parts of yourself, you know, and push them aside, but if you can actually accept them as normal and they're signaling something you need to pay attention to, then they can be, um, you know, you just mentioned the term bittersweet. And I just, just finished reading Susan Cain's book, Bittersweet, which I highly recommend. I'm selling somebody else's book here, but she, she talks about the, those sad, awful, dark, shameful feelings that we have as this wonderful fuel that we can make into a creative offering to the world, you know? And, and I just love that idea of accepting and holding our hearts really tenderly and holding those very tender parts gently and accepting that we're part of this human struggle that we all struggle and that when we pay attention to those parts rather than rejecting them they offer us amazing gifts i mean i think all of my successes in life i can point to absolute shame of being poor you know and being raised in poverty. Um, I can point to um, the envy I've had for people who have had talents that I wanted to emulate. And that made me work harder so that I could cultivate a talent. 
you know, so I think that if we can accept these difficult emotions as gifts, it changes our, our way of approaching them. Absolutely. And sometimes it's hard to tap into that acceptance factor because you feel like, oh, this person is doing it better than I am. When in actuality, if you really focus on your inner self, then you'll feel complete and whole. And then if you look at your gifts and your talents of what you bring to the table and what makes you authentic, what makes you unique, then some of those emotions that you have that is trying to talk you out of it start to diminish because you start to operate from an area of gratefulness, from gratitude. And whenever you have that positive energy, it begins to counteract the negative energy and the negative forces that are coming against against you. I'm not an expert in the work that you do, Dr. Gina, but just from like my personal standpoint, that's something that I've seen in my own life. Because the minute that I start to build somebody else up and put them on a pedestal, I begin to get stale and stagnant because I'm trying to take on their lenses and walk out life via them. And I don't know what they do behind closed doors. I don't know what they did to get to where they are. So even if I try to emulate it, I'm only going to go so far because I'm not that individual. Exactly. I think that's such wisdom that you just said. And I think the, the core piece of that is accepting, which takes a lot of maturity. Uh, You're young and you have a lot of maturity in saying that you are accepting your unique gift to the world, right? And, And not only accepting it, but seeing that as kind of a mission statement. And that's something it took me a bit longer than you to, to realize that my own individual journey and struggle and character and personality there's no one else me who's me. There's no one else who's Genesis, you know, and we, that is our mission is to fully be our unique selves. And that is our gift to the world. And so those things that make us feel defective or ashamed and really shame is the most difficult emotion to experience because shame makes us feel rejected from the community and unacceptable. And that hits us on a survival level, because we need one another, you know, we need community. And so, you know, I think shame is one of those things that causes fuels addiction, it fuels a lot of hostile and angry behavior, it it fuels a lot of harm. uh, Because we are rejecting ourselves, we are rejecting our unique place in the world and, and the unique stuff that we get to contribute. So the fact that you're already there is very impressive and that you're already doing that with the work you do in your book and your podcast and all the other stuff you do, um, you know, you're being your unique self and creating also a platform for other people, other thinkers to, to uh, share their ideas, which is a wonderful gift. Thank you so much. And um, Dr. Gina, whenever you take the work that you did in your personal life, and then you said, you know what, I want to make an imprint, but I want that imprint to drive an impact. So then 
you came up with the idea of Frazzle Brain. So what did it look like whenever you were beginning to go down the author journey? And I want you to really walk us through your author journey from the name of your book to the cover art of it, because there's so much intentionality and focus that you put in it. And just hold up the book and let's dissect the cover for a little bit. So the audience, as well as the viewers, um, because we have listeners and viewers could connect. So I'm gonna let you walk us through that because I think there's so much power in just looking at the cover. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you saying that because I had a big part in designing the cover. The publisher was wonderful um, to me. They, um, I told them that I wanted a brain-shaped kind of tangled knot of rope. Um, to sort of symbolize all the things that we, all the metaphors we use when we say that we're upset, you know, we're at the end of our rope, we're tied up in knots, um, you know, it's a tangled mess, you know, we, we feel these kind of feelings and we use those metaphors. And I didn't want an ugly picture of a, you know, of a brain. A lot of books have brain, uh, you know, pictures and they turn people off. I think, you know, it's like, it's like a piece of anatomy. Um, so I think I wanted a metaphor on there. And the term frazzle brain actually was a really happy accident. Um, I, my original working title was heal your frazzled brain. And that was what I worked on for a number of years. I worked one day a week as a writer and the rest of the, the four 10 hour days as a therapist. So it took a long time to write this book. Um, so I can tell all you people out there who want to write a book and don't have time because you work, you have time. You can write a book in 15 minutes a day. Um, you just have to be tenacious and be willing to do it for years <laughs> and want to be with that idea for years, because that's what you're going to do to get a book published. Um, most people, I mean, most, most of us don't have all day to write, you know, in a, the life of leisure. Um, so, so what happened with the term frazzle brain is I worked with a writing, read and critique book. Um, and, uh, it was a writing, read and critique book, uh, read and critique group. So it was these wonderful women writers, and we would share pages from our work and critique each other's work. And that came about from my amazing writing coach, Marnie Friedman, so I started working with a writing coach after I'd been already writing for years. And I thought, I really need somebody else to give me feedback. You know, writing is such a lonely occupation and you need people. I wanted somebody in real time to read my words and I wanted to see the facial expression on their face. And I wanted to get immediate feedback. Like, what does, how does this hit you? So Marnie Friedman is an amazing writing coach. Um, so anybody who wants a good writing coach, call her, email her. She's amazing. So uh, we were in this writing, reading critique group. And one of the women in the group said, so how's it going with your frazzle brain book? And she shortened it, right? She shortened the title. Um, and I went, Eureka, that is like such a good word, frazzle brain. And because that's how we feel, you know, everybody who comes to my, to my office, they all say, I feel frazzled. The world is frazzled. Two years of pandemic. We got war in Europe. We've got, you know, economic upheaval, <laughs> inflation. I mean, everybody's frazzled, right? So 
Um, so, and it does affect your brain. And I've been doing this deep dive into neuropsychology and the neuroscience of emotions, which I find absolutely fascinating. And I geek out on it all the time. And I'm always happy to geek out on it with anybody who wants to talk about the brain. Um, but so, so when we, when we started designing the cover, I said, I wanted a white cover with a bold, you know, kind of brain shape rope and a very clean cover, not a lot of busy stuff going on. And so then they came back with all these different cover ideas and different fonts and, you know, different things. And um, so my family and I and friends, I emailed everybody, what do you think? What are your top favorites? And, uh, and so yes, between my son in law, who's also got a lot of, he's got a good artistic eye, he and I both fell in love with this font. Because it kind of looks like you're a little off balance is how we feel, right? We're a little off balance and when we feel frazzled. Um, and, um, and I also thought I wanted a cover that had a little friendliness to it, right? So there's a little bit of a cheerful quality, even though we're talking about really difficult emotions. But I wanted people to feel like, oh, there's hope here. Because this is one of the, uh, a lot of the reviewers that are reviewing my book are saying that it feels like there's hope on every page. And that sometimes after they read the book, if they just see it sitting there, you know, it makes them feel better because they, they, they feel like they've been like meditating when they read the book, you know? And so I really purposefully designed it to be a soothing experience to read. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make the neuroscience words. Like I'll say, here's what happens in the brain. And if you want the big words, they're here, you know, in parentheses, (laughs) you don't have to know what all of the anatomy of the brain is to get something out of the book. Um, so it, yeah, I wanted to generate hope in people because hopefulness is, uh, motivating, you know, that's, you talk about motivation as one of your key, uh, missions for your podcast. And that is hope that comes from hope. Things can be better, right? If you don't think things can be better, you're not going to have any, um, any motivation to try. Right. And that we call that depression, you know, when we have hopelessness, it's depression. So anyway, that's the story of how it came to be. Oh my gosh. I was like lost for words because whenever I saw the cover of your book, um, when you sent me your details in the form, I was like, I like how she did the brain because it looked like a jumble rope and everything intertwined. Then you use red versus pink, how other people um, depict the brain and then the words because it was kind of like tilted. So definitely off balance. And then at the bottom, you have break free. And And let's think about it. Whenever you unravel something, you're freeing it from the knots and the tangles. So I kind of liked how everything flowed in there. You got all of that. That's I'm so happy you (laughs) got all of that. So I really wanted to be intentional whenever I asked you that question so you could give back to the Mm -hmm. community and they could see it because in order to break free from the difficult emotions, we have to unravel where where um, the root is stemming from and until we do that work then we're always going to be tangled up and there may be triggers that show up in our life that cause us to tangle up again yeah and I think that you know understanding what 
triggers us, understanding our core pain, you know, the wounds that we suffered in childhood or the wounds that we experience moving around in the world is key. I think that it's key, not because that is the healing in and of itself, because, but it's key to having compassion for ourselves, right? If I can say, oh, when I get really mad, when people promise me something and don't follow through, that's a trigger that comes from childhood trauma where people promise me things and then don't do it. You know, I hate it to this day when people say, I'm going to do this for you. And I'm like, immediately in the back of my mind, I'm going, don't tell me that. Don't just do it. If you're going to do something nice for me, just do it. Don't tell me you're going to do it because it bugs me because so many times people are well-meaning and they promise you things and they don't follow through. So that's a trigger that comes from a wound. And so I can be very compassionate with myself and I can walk myself through that wound because I have that self-awareness because I have untangled where all that reactivity comes from. And so now I can be compassionate to people who want, who are well-meaning and they want to promise me things because they want me to feel good in the moment. And they're actually not trying to get me irritated by saying they're going to do something nice for me. Um, And I can have compassion for them too, because I can have compassion for myself. And so I think compassion really is the key also to to holding ourselves tenderly through our pain so that we can go on, right, to get past our pain. Absolutely. And the other analogy that I'll um, bring up is whenever you promise that you're going to do something with a kid and it could be your kid it could be your niece or your nephew kids always remember what you said that you were going to do and they will remind you until you actually do it so just think about that as um you think about your emotions those negative emotions can pester you until you deal with them and you don't want to just be going through the emotions of life you want to live life optimally you want to liberate yourself you want to be free and you want to live on your highest energy plane and vibration so why not do the work now so you could really live life on your terms exactly I mean I think you talked about highest vibration and I liked that I like that term because it is easy to go low right it is easy to wallow in the darkness of hostility and resentment and it is easy to just be reactive when we feel bad and take it out on the people around us that is very easy to do it never works out and helps us and it never really helps us get our needs met so I try to teach people how to be more effective right and how and if you want to be more effective in your relationships just lashing out because you're hurt is not an effective strategy. And, you know, so how do we get to our higher vibration? Well, we do have to have compassion for our own pain. And we have, I I think what I teach, I call myself a coping skills expert. Um, I teach people how to cope because people don't know how to cope. Many have never learned how to cope with really difficult emotions. And you can learn how to do that. 
you can learn to soothe yourself. You can learn strategies of, uh, of connection as opposed to disconnection when you feel ashamed and those kinds of things. So that's a lot of what's in my book too, or coping skills. There's coping skills in every chapter that you walk away with. And I'm glad that you put the coping skills in every chapter because then you're also challenging the reader to do some form of homework so they can hold themselves accountable as they're going throughout your book. And I think that's something needed um, that more authors should do because people want to not just read the content, but they also should have a period of reflection where there's a call to action and they're actually doing the work. So they're mapping it out as they go through. So Dr. Gina, um, we're going to jump into the call to action part of the segment where you're going to challenge the audience. You're going to tell them what you want them to do after hearing this recording, and then we'll close out with where they could connect with you. Well, here's what I recommend. We are a stressed out people. And I just had a session recently with a client a woman who said, you know, when I get to 20%, I really realize that I need to start doing some self-care. And I said, you need to raise that to 80%. When you feel like about 20% of you is depleted, which is pretty much every day, we're going to at least hit that mark. We're going to get tired. We're going to get hungry. We're going to be cranky that we need to make self-care and relaxation and stress relief, a daily practice, a daily practice, not a once a year, I get to go on vacation or every weekend, maybe I get to watch TV all day. And the other thing I would say is that television and entertainment, video games, those are entertainment and they are fine, but they are not relaxation. Just because you're laying on your couch with a remote control in your hand does not mean you're actually relaxing because your brain is having a mini, it is experiencing all the thrilling things that are happening to the people on the television and you are not really getting relaxation. So relaxation is time in nature, time with loved ones. Uh, resting and reading a good book. Um, it's there's a lot of other practices I talk about in my book. So make stretch management a daily practice is my call to action. Absolutely. And some other ways that you can make stress management a daily practice is get out in nature, go for those walks, focus on your breathing, really be intentional with your breathing, the deep breathing as you inhale and exhale, find an activity that you love to do um, so you could get your physical fitness in. Another thing, journaling, even coloring, they have adult coloring books now and they're amazing. Music therapy, taking a nice long soak or bubble bath, maybe lighting some candles, reading a book, or just closing your eyes for a few minutes and really just practicing that still stillness and the mindfulness can really help you recharge and rejuvenate yourself. Those are just some tips I'll leave um, 
with you, but I definitely challenge you to go get Dr. Gina's book and begin to do the exercises. And Dr. Gina, how can our audience connect with you via your website and where do you primarily hang out on social media? I, um, my uh, website is frazzlebrain.com. It's real easy, frazzlebrainoneword.com. And I'd love to hear from any listeners and I'd love to hear any of your reactions to, to my book or answer any questions you might have that might be troubling you. Um, I do uh, hang out on Twitter um, a bit. I, I do post a lot of really good mental health things, juicy things, everything from neuroscience uh, research to uh, humorous things that I find fun and interesting and helpful. Um, we just did a trip where I uh, have a little frazzle brain who is, um, this is a little stress ball frazzle brain. Um, I have little tips and tricks, like if you hold one of these or a um, tennis ball in your left hand, and you squeeze it for 15 seconds, it activates the right part of your brain, which um, is a pleasure center. And it actually improves your performance on tests or athletic events or speaking engagements. I actually used it before I did the podcast. So hopefully a little frazzle brain here, but anyway, he travels around and I have funny little pictures with, with frazzle brain and interesting places doing interesting things. So um, Twitter is good. Um, you can find me there. Um, I do a little bit on Instagram and on LinkedIn, and I do have a Facebook author page as well. And I think you listed those um, on your link uh, there, Genesis. Absolutely. All of um, Dr. Gina's contact information will be in the show notes. So you can definitely plug in with her. Uh, we are on 40 plus platforms. Make sure you subscribe, share, and like this segment. You could also see all video content over on YouTube by typing at gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, I want to thank each one of you for continuing to support the mission behind GEMS, which is to bring educational, inspirational, and motivation topics to the forefront while we intersect the dots for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And because of each one of you, we are now ranked in the top 2.5% out of 2.8 million podcasts. So thank you so much for helping us reach that incredible milestone. If there's any topics you want to hear, any feedback you have, make sure you leave a review, send us an email, and I'll be sure that my guest or myself gets back to you. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day and go learn something new so you don't have Frazzle Brain. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS G-E-M-S with W-I-T-H Genesis G-E-N-E-S-I-S Amaris A-M-A-R-I-S Kemp K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.